Well, today we're wrapping up our series um, called Deeper, and uh, we started this week, or this series, by looking at our prayer life, and uh, we said that there were three key essentials uh, when we're going to go deeper in any of our significant relationships. There were three areas that we had to go deeper in. We had to go deeper in our communication, we had to go deeper in our understanding, and we had to go deeper in our adoration of these people. And and so if I was to go deeper in my relationship with my spouse, with Maria, um, obviously you would expect that we communicate clearer, we can communicate in a deeper way than I would with the average person, that I would understand her in a deeper way than I would the average person, and that I would admire her in a deeper way than I would admire everybody else. And there are things about my wife that I would admire and I would know about that you wouldn't even know about. Because she's my wife, I spend time with her, I understand her, I understand her better, I definitely don't understand her. I understand her better and I've learned to communicate with her better than most of you have. And so with that, my relationship with her goes deeper. And so we said in the context of our relationship with God, we don't want to just use those same words, but we're going to use the words prayer and the way of communicating with Him Scripture reading in a way of understanding Him, in worship, in the way of adoring Him. And so we said last week, uh, two weeks ago in our prayer, when we talked about prayer, we said that we need to learn to pray. We should never have the assumption that we know how to pray. Jesus' own disciples went to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. And so we need to be willing to learn to pray, and if prayer is not something that we can naturally do, that we then we obviously need to put time and energy into learning how to pray. We said also in our prayer series that we need to express ourselves. Okay, We need to learn to tell God what we need. We need to learn to tell God more than just what's going on in our lives, but what are we asking Him to do in our lives? We also said that we need to check our motive. In the book of Hebrews, we read that Jesus was heard because of His reverent submission to God. And so what is the motive for why we pray? Do we pray um, out of reverence submission or do we pray out of selfish ambition? Are we searching after the will of God in our lives when we pray or are we just wanting what we want? And that's um, the motive behind our prayers. And then finally we said that we need to also be quiet. Prayer is not only us talking. Prayer is also us taking time to listen to what God wants to say to us. Last week we focused on scripture reading, learning to understand God. We said that in order to go deeper in our understanding of Jesus, we had to spend time in God's word. How will we base our lives if we never spend time in God's word? If we, if we never spend time in God's word, how will we base our lives on it? If we don't spend time in the word of God, how will we pass down the Word of God to our children or to the next generation. We read in Revelations last week that there were two churches in, uh, in this area and Jesus was saying, I wish you were not lukewarm. He says, but because you are lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. He said, I wish that you were either hot or cold. And we looked at, the, uh, at this town called Hierapolis where they had these hot springs and these hot springs were useful for... Um, for healing and for curing aching bones and aching bodies. And then in Colossae, a little while ways away, they had these cold springs. And Jesus is saying, I wish you were either cold or hot. 
One is useful for healing, and the other one was cold, and it was useful for re- refreshing. But by the time the water made it to this town, Laos, uh, I can't say this, Laodicea, I can't say it today. I tried in the other service, and it all, all wrong. Look it up in the Bible, it's there. Um, why can't I say it? It's just gone. Anyway, well, moving on, moving on. But now I want to try again, but I'm too scared. Um, but uh, by the time the water made it to this church, to this town where this church was, it had traveled miles, and now it was lukewarm, and so it was useless. As a matter of fact, it was harmful to people who drank that water because of the distance that it had traveled and because of the temperature of the water. And so we said last week that if we don't spend time in God's Word, and if we're not speaking God's Word, and if we're not involved in Scripture and understanding who God is, then what we will ultimately do is we will speak our words, not God's words. And our words are lukewarm, useless, and harmful. And so we must spend time in God's Word every single day in order to learn to understand God better. Today we want to shift over to worship. And look at what does it mean to go deeper in our relationship with God? What does it mean to go deeper in our time of worship? As we get to know someone more and more, as I said already, we will admire and adore them deeper. And in the context of our relationship with Jesus, as we get to know Jesus more and more, we need to worship Him in a deeper, deeper kind of way. The word worship is misused, I believe, a lot. I think very often the word worship is used almost more just as a title than really expressing what it is. So we'll we'll call things like a worship service, and we throw this word worship in front of it as a title for what the service is going to be like. We have a worship event, or we have a time of worship. And what do we mean when we use this word and when we say this word, worship? Most people naturally associate worship to singing. And and singing is a form of worship. Unfortunately, so much uh, people often associate it with singing so much so that they think that it is the only form of worship. And we know that there are many, many forms of worship. There are many different ways that we can worship our Lord. Singing is not the only form of worship. A quick little story. I remember way back, um, Marie and I, we went to an event in Waterloo. And when we were at this event, it was mostly just a worship event. And, and so there's a lot of different worship leaders, a lot of different uh, people coming and speaking on the, on the topic of worship. And, and so they had these incredible event, um, uh, times, services there. And I remember just, we were, we were sitting behind this lady. And, and man, she just talked the entire time. Anytime that there was somebody on, the, on stage talking, uh, preaching or just like an MC or something like that. This lady was constantly talking, just totally disruptive, showed absolutely no respect for what was happening on stage. Such an absolute distraction that it's like people around were just like, okay, my goodness, you know, like we want to hear what's going on on stage. And she'd be talking to the people beside her. But man, you should have seen her when the music started. Hands up. And I'm not making fun of raising hands. But this woman, as soon as there's one note played on that keyboard or guitar, she was just worshiping. And I remember thinking, you are so fake. You are so fake. Worship is not something that you can turn on and off. 
Worship is not something that you can do only in one way or one form. So what is worship? What is worship? When we talk about worship, what do we mean by it? A guy by the name of Mark Driscoll put out, I think, a a good, he captures it really well. And I'm not the biggest Mark Driscoll fan, but I thought he captured this really well. And so I want to use the little thing that he wrote. Worship is praise. To worship is to praise God, to lift his name up and to, to give adoration to God. So that's one thing that worship is. Worship is proclamation. Lips that confess his name. So lifting up his name and praising his name and and just proclaiming Jesus. And so clearly you begin to see that this is not something that only happens in church on Sunday mornings. You can proclaim the name of Jesus anywhere. Service. Worship is service. Do good as a demonstration of the gospel to the world. And so you go and you do services. You, you serve people. You demonstrate God's, the gospel of Jesus in your life by demonstrating through the acts of service. Participation. Sharing with others as a demonstration of the grace of God in the world. So you go and you participate and you do things that you have not been asked to do or things that you've not been required to do but you do them as a demonstration of the grace that you have received freely from God. You did nothing, I did nothing to deserve the grace of God, and yet God gave us His grace. And so you participate in your community, you participate in your place of work as a demonstration of the grace of God uh, that has been given to you. Sacrifice. Giving of your time, sacrificially. Giving of your talents, sacrificially. Giving of your treasure, your tithe, sacrificially. Being willing to sacrifice time and talent and money as an act of worship. Not only what you have to, ah, yeah, I guess I can, you know, ah, it's convenient, so sure, I'll, I'll volunteer for a little bit. Yeah, it's convenient. I, yeah, I have the gift of this and this. And she'll, sure, because I'm gifted, I'll do it. Yeah, I've got some extra ear. You know, I got a toonie. You know, here you go. But being willing to actually sacrifice our time, our talent, our treasure. Worship is submission. Being willing to come under the godly authority and respecting godly authority placed over us as an act of worship. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 to 17. It says this. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess His name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with, God, for with such sacrifice, God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would not be advanced, that would be of no advance to you. Worship isn't something you do. Worship isn't something, or worship isn't just something we do. Worship is at the core of who we are. We are worshipers. 
We were created not to worship. We were created worshiping. And that's why when you go to any place in the world, people who have never heard about God, people who have never heard about Jesus, they worship something. They worship the sun, they worship rain, they worship trees, they worship some form of plant, they worship something. Why? Because we were created worshipers. Practically, this means that while we worship does include corporate church gatherings and singing songs, it does not limit us to only these things or it is not defined only by these things. Worship doesn't stop when you leave here on Sunday morning. Worship doesn't stop when the music or the song is over. We worship all the time. We continually give ourselves away or we pour ourselves out for a person for a cause, an experience, an achievement, a status, or an object. And sadly, much of the time when we are pouring ourselves out to something, worshiping something, it is something or someone other than our Creator. To live is to worship. And so the question is not, are we worshiping? The question is, what are we worshiping? I want us this morning to to look at the book of Revelation chapter 4. Because in the book of Revelation chapter 4, I believe is captured one of the most amazing worship events that is ongoing. And this this captures it so well. So turn in your book, uh, in your Bible, to Revelation chapter 4. And we'll start at the middle way through chapter 6. Just to, to clarify here a little bit, what's happening is there's there is this... Someone on the throne. God is on the throne. And around the throne are these 24 thrones. And on each throne is an elder. And so there are these 24 elders around the throne. And in the center between the elders and the throne are these four creatures. Okay, and so let's, let's pick up from there. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures. And they were covered with eyes. And don't get too hung up on some of this stuff because it's like, what does that mean? They had eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second one was like an ox. The third was like a face of a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. Chapter 4, verse 8. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Now listen to the task of these four creatures. Day and night... They never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Look at the response. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, God, and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For You created all things, and by you, Your will they were created and have their being." These four living creatures, 
day in and day out, make this statement. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They declare this truth about God. They declare this truth of who He is. Almighty. God is holy. But they're doing more here than just stating a fact. We don't want worship to become something where we just say the truth about God. For example, I could bring my wife up here and I could tell you all kinds of things that I admire about my wife and they would be accurate. But then if you saw me disrespecting her and if you saw me neglecting her, you would be like, well, yeah, he knows how great she is, but he doesn't really admire her. He just tells us things about her that are amazing, but he's not really adoring her. He's not really admiring her. And I think sometimes in the church what we've come to do is we say things and we sing songs of things that are true about God, but not necessarily as an act of worship. These elders and these four creatures, they do more than just state facts about God. They are worshiping God. Revelation chapter 4, verse 9, it said this, When the living creatures, listen to what they do, they're not just stating truth about God. When the living creatures give glory, honor, and praise, these Four living creatures are worshiping God. Verse 9. To whom do they do this? To him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. And as they worship God, what is the response of those who hear these four living creatures? Whenever they do this, and they do this night and day, and I believe they're doing it right now, I believe that this chorus is ringing out in heaven right now. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What do those do that hear it? What is the response of these 24 elders who hear this? Verse 10, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They lay down their crowns before the throne. These elders bow down and they take off their crowns and they worship God out of complete humility. And then they say this, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. If any of you have ever been in a, in a situation like in a big business or something like that where you have the board and you've got your CEO and you've got the big, big people, when you get near the top, you kind of want some of the recognition for yourself, right? Because my goodness, I'm not just a, a field worker anymore. I'm now a foreman over field workers. I'm not the head honcho, but man, I'm a somebody. Now think of it, these four living creatures, they are the closest to the throne, and then there's the elders. They are even, you know, they're right there within the throne. They're so close to the throne. They have their own crowns. But when it comes in comparison to him who sits on the throne, they take their crowns off. They bow down. They lay their crowns down. Why would they do this? I think that this is the key to worship. 
Why would they do this? I believe it's because as a result of being in the very presence of God, they are in awe. They see God. And they recognize that nothing that they are is in comparison to Him. I remember way back when I was planting trees in B.C. We would go to these amazing places, these, these beautiful sites, and, and, and you know, we, we'd often we, we'd plant in the same spot for sometimes two weeks at a time. And, and I remember one time, because normally you're just planting, you just want to make money, so you're just pounding in as many trees as you possibly can. But there was this one place when I ran out of trees, I, I just allowed myself to take a moment, I stood up straight, and I looked at, where, at my surroundings. And we were deep in the mountains. And there before me was probably one of the most beautiful sights I've ever, ever seen. I was like, I was on top of this valley looking down, and there's this massive valley. And on both sides of this valley were these beautiful mountains with these white snow-capped peaks. And the, and the trees went down, and at the very bottom of this mountain, of these, in this valley, I should say, was this crystal clear blue lake. And I remember just like, wow. I just kind of stood there like dumbfounded. Like, I, I've been working away, and this has been before me the entire time. And every single day, I brought my lunch, and I would have my lunch there, and I would just sit there and just, wow, wow. But you wouldn't believe it. After a few days, the scenery never changed, but I got used to it. After three, four days, it was like, you know, I, I, should, I should really not be sitting here eating my lunch. I should be making money. I remember when we were in Europe. We were there for about three weeks. That first castle we saw, you see these big, majestic castles. I remember the first castle we saw. We almost caused an accident. We pulled over, got our cameras out, you know, you know, filled up the whole camera. Oh, kids, oh man, we're full, sorry. You know, and we just took all these pictures of these amazing castles. Amazing castles. But three weeks into our trip, we were passing castles, ca- castles left and right. Didn't even take time because it was just one more castle. Listen to, again, the description of God by the four creatures. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Let me ask you this question. Have you lost your awe? Have we lost our awe? We sometimes say, I mean, have you lost your mind? We know what we mean by that. Like, are you, are you dumb or something? But when it comes to God, have you lost your awe? Has Jesus become someone that we just know or know about? Has he become someone we read about and are interested in because of what he did and what he said? Has your relationship with him become more about you than about him? Is your salvation something you feel you deserve 
Or are you in awe that He would save you? We are always worshiping. But we will focus our worship towards that which awes us. We are always worshiping. But we will focus our worship towards that which awes us. I believe that in our society today, we are becoming harder and harder to impress. I'm going to take some of you back a ways, okay? Those of you that are my age. Remember those days when you would go and rent a VHS? And then you would put it into your VCR? And then you would find out that the place where you rented it from hadn't rewound it? So you had to put it in, you start like halfway through the movie, and you're like, oh, come on. And you press rewind, and then they were, they, the later on, the VCRs got so techy that they didn't want to stop too sudden, so they would, about halfway through the, the tape, it would slow down so that the tape wouldn't stop too sudden at the end, and you're like, come on. So you know what we all did? We went and bought those car rewinders, didn't we? And we stuck our, our VC, VHS in that, and it would just be like, and it was done. It was rewound. It was like, whoo, good. And then remember when you rented that VHS, and then the first time you saw the promotion for DVD. I remember that day. It's like, DVD. All these things blowing up, and they're like, sound is this much clearer. And I'm like, if I'm hearing it now, anyway, you don't get that, but that's okay. If it's that impressive and I'm already seeing it, better picture. I'm like, yeah, I'm still seeing the same picture you're showing me. But DVD, it's going to be the most amazing thing. Ah, and then you brought home that DVD player and your first DVD. Remember these days? You guys are lying. (laughs) Husbands, your, I mean, wives, your husbands were beside themselves. Like, you know, just like, can't unpack the thing fast enough, wrap that puppy up, put it in there, plug it all in, all wrong. They start playing, like, ah, nothing, rewired it again. And then they put in the DVD, and it's like, we don't have to rewind. And then you're like looking at it, it's like, well, look at the quality. No more like, you remember those lines? I remember them. We still got one in the basement. And you had this cheap TV. And it's like, man, we need a bigger TV. And so you went and got a bigger TV, a 720. Woo! And then all of a sudden you're watching DVDs and there's like, Blu-ray. <laughs> Where have we been? And so we're like, Blu-ray, Blu-ray. And then you went from 720, which was like phenomenal, a plasma. Now you've got 1080. Blu-ray. The best sound. Unscratchable. Not true. But, you know, I tried. You can scratch those babies. You know, and, and it's like this unbelievable Blu-ray. And now you've got 3D. If you're willing to wear big, massive goggles while you're watching television, you can watch 3D now. And it just keeps going, and it keeps going, and it keeps going. Remember when cell phones were cell phones? No? I do. I remember when you got a cell phone to make phone calls. Now you get a cell phone for texting, uh, for checking email, for playing games, for sharing pictures. 
And if you need to make the occasional call, you'll get your cell phone out and make a call. You see, we are becoming harder and harder to impress. I have an s- iPhone 5. It's the latest thing right now. The 5S is apparently coming out. And guess what? Tons of people who are richer than me are going to dump their iPhone 5 because it's a piece of junk now and get the latest phone. I, re- I heard a guy this week say he had watched the trailer to the new Superman movie, Man of Steel. He says, I only watched the trailer, and he says, I already feel like I got my money's worth because the trailer is so amazing. Every movie we see, we want the movie to be better. The CG had better be better. The script had better be better. Everything had better be better. Why? Because we are hard to please. We are hard to satisfy. It is hard to awe us. And we have a God It was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think sometimes the church has lost its awe. Because we're expecting that God will awe us in a new way every day. Have you lost your awe? Are you still amazed at who God is? If you have, how do you get it back? If you're reading Scripture and you're spending time in prayer and, and the stuff you're reading in here isn't, just isn't really all that amazing, how do you, how do you get it back? You know, you're, you're flipping through the pages of Scripture. How do you get your awe back? I think the number one way or the best way to get your awe back is to move from being a spectator to being a participant. To move from being a spectator to being a participant. You go from just sitting and watching to engaging in what God is doing. You open yourself up and say, God, if you want to do a miracle through me, I'm your man. I'm your woman. I'm your child. You want to go and show someone love? Show that person through me. You want to meet a person's need? Use me, God. You want to bring hope into someone's life? Use me, God. You want to assure someone that there's something more out there for them than just what they have now? Bring that person to me. You go from being a spectator to being a participant. And suddenly you're going to be like, wow, I cannot believe what God is all doing in the world. I have had the privilege of being a volunteer uh, at some big events and being quite involved in some big events. And I remember years ago when Marie and I were involved in this event called Youth Specialties. And we were fairly involved in that event and we got to see the behind the scenes over and over again. And I remember just at the end of this event, you'd be like, I cannot believe what an amazing this, ev- this event is. I can't believe how amazing this event is because it takes so much work and the people who are doing it are so amazing. And then you see some of the people who are just spectators. They leave and they're like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, it's all right. And you're like, how can you think it was only all right? Why? Because they were only spectators. They never got involved. They were never participants. Friends, your relationship with Christ 
is to be a spectator of what he's doing, you will lose your awe. If you want your awe back, you need to move from being a spectator to a participant. Spend time with Christ. Spend time reading. Pray. Spend time in solitude where it's just you and God. Stop focusing on yourself and focus on Him. Stop all the things that are going on in your life. Turn off the TV. Turn off the phones. Shut down all this technology and focus on God. Because He is holy, holy, holy. Let me invite the band to come up. I want to read to us this morning Psalm 145. In Psalm 145, David gives us this amazing description of who God is. This is the God we've been called to worship. This is the God that we ought to be in awe of. Why? Because God is so much greater than all that we are. Listen to what it says, Psalm 145. I'm going to read the whole chapter. David writes, he says, I will exalt you, my God the king i will praise your name forever and ever every day i will praise you and extol your name forever and ever great is the lord and most worthy of praise his greatness no one can fathom one generation will commend your words to another they will tell of your mighty acts They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your works, wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all He has made. All who have been made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all men may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your domain endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all He has promised. The Lord is faithful to all His promises and loving towards all He has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. Your, you open your hands and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and loving towards all He has made. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. He hears their cries and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love Him but all the wicked will be destroyed. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise His holy name forever and ever.
that is our God. Have you lost your awe? I trust that if you have, and I'll share this, making myself vulnerable, there's been periods in my life where I've lost my awe. I read this book, I pray, I preach out of duty. But that's not where we want to stay. There will be valleys and periods in your life where you will struggle. But I trust that when you are through that valley of struggle that you will again be wow. Wow. This is our God. We want to sing a song together. The song is called Jesus Messiah. And the song says basically the lyrics go that there is no one other than you. All our hope is in you. Jesus Messiah, name above all names. And this morning I'm asking you not just to sing because singing is, you know, cool, but I want us to sing this morning and just recognize Jesus. We are in awe of you. Because of what you have done, you've saved us from our sins. You are God and we are not. So we take off our crown. And we give it to you, Jesus. Recognizing that your name is above every name. We are in awe of you. Father, I pray now as we stand and sing. Father, I pray that we would just experience your presence. Father, for those of us who are maybe in this dry valley, we have a hard time maybe even just right now praying. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just descend upon us and we would just feel your presence this morning. You're so good. You're so magnificent, so majestic. Father, may we just sense you in this place. Would we stand in awe of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings this morning? And would we continue to live our lives in awe of who you are, daily in worship, worshiping only you, Lord Jesus. Pray this in your holy name. Amen.